What was your spiritual journey like, and where has it taken you? And most importantly, do you know where it is taking you? Do you really know and understand the road that you are traveling? Or did you read the signs along the way and thought that they were just mere suggestions? How did you get here? What has happened to you in your spiritual life from the very beginning to this very moment that has led you here? What turn of events did God put into your life that resulted in you being in church this morning? Most of us know the answer. It's no accident. God brought all of us here today. In this moment, to worship, to pray, and to fellowship together. We, have a, we all have a story as different and as unique as our fingerprints. And God wants us to share those stories, to witness, if you will. In Matthew 5, 14 through 16, we read, Ye are the light of the world. A city that sets on a hill cannot hide. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light in all that are in the house. Let your light shine so that before men so that they may see your good works and glorify your Father, which is in heaven. So I'm going to do something this morning that is uncomfortable for me. And it may be uncomfortable for you. I'm going to talk about my spiritual journey that brought me here today. And I'm going to start this way. I'm going to give you the most important point of my talk first. Rather than save it for a dramatic exit later. And here it is. God does his work through ordinary people, just like you and just like me. None of us are special, but we are all special in the eyes of the Lord. We all have something to give. And that gift of giving differs from person to person. God prepares us for whatever he wants us to do for his kingdom. You don't have to think about it. God will prepare you for it. He will put that in front of you. We may not know what it is sometimes, and we may not understand it, but we all are here for a reason. Our job is to find out what that reason is, and that's difficult. It's taken me over 60 years, and I'm still not sure what my purpose in life really is. But I'm getting some ideas as I continue my journey. So here are some facts about me. If you haven't already guessed, I'm a senior citizen steeped in AARP literature. Can't remember what I had for lunch and can literally count the hairs on my head. Getting old is not for the weak of heart, but as you know, 60 is the new 50. As a child, I had the best of both worlds, growing up in Penfield next to Bailey Park, able to play baseball and do everything that I wanted, and then being boarded out on a farm every summer and every weekend until I was 18 years old, right here on Butterfield Highway. Those experiences on the farm gave me some of the work ethic that I have today. 
Like a lot of you, I played sports, baseball, football, basketball. I even ran around in little white shorts playing tennis. I was involved in the junior and senior plays, and when the talent show came around, I was excited. They made me a stage manager because I had no talent. <laughs> when I finished high school, I didn't see the value of going on to college until I was in my 40s. As I look back, my grandmother and my mother were a big influence on my faith as I watched them exercise their faith. I watched them live it out. And I was saved in a little country church in Vivi, Indiana, right around the age of 12. And talk about the Holy Spirit. One minute I was standing in the pew holding the Bible, and the next minute I was in front of the church with tears running down my face, wondering, how did I get here? I remember it just as though it happened yesterday. I attended church for a short while, but I fell away in my later teen years. When you're young, Many kids and young people and some adults resist the discipline of church, not the faith. But I make no mistake. I make no excuses. It is what it is, and it was what it was. At 18, I was married as a high school senior and supported a child while working two jobs. A hard way to start your life in this world. But I, re I learned the values well on the farm and the hard work ethic held me in good stead. I was not afraid to work. Our family attended church for, for more than 16 years, a church where every Sunday was more of a fashion statement than a worship. I do not ever remember being moved by a single sermon in that church. It was not the pastor, it was me. And you may ask why I stayed. We don't have enough time to hear that novel. But I will say this. I was going to church for the wrong reasons. I thought that my one-hour investment would get me to heaven. Oh, how naive I was in my faith and scripture when I was young. Maybe that was the same for some of you. Because when I go to church, I want to be moved. I want to be challenged and humbled. Sermons that hit your heart make you think. Because that's when you see yourself the most clear. Right or wrong, good or bad, you can see yourself. After that experience, I did not att attend church for over 15 years. I started in the building trades when I was 34, and that's where my faith journey really started. As I look back on it now, it was God shaping my journey, guiding my steps, and rebuilding my life. Yes, I've made some serious mistakes. I went through a divorce after 21 years. It was difficult, hard, and painful. 
But the silver lining in all of that pain, the blessing was that God saw something in me and allowed me to keep my children and finish raising them. Pretty rare back then, maybe more common today. A few years later, I married a wonderful woman who was not only a wife, but a partner. A partner that did not want to direct my life, but only wanted to share it. One who cared for me as I was and not what she could shape me into. And I truly believe that God brought us together to save ourselves. Years later, in the 90s, through the employment with the city of Battle Creek, I was asked to join a new organization called Water for People. And I've talked about this before. But it had such an impact on my life that I can't skip over it. This group engineered water and sewer systems for third world communities. They were simple gravity systems. Nothing fancy, but efficient. Water for people focused on Ecuador because that's where we were able to establish a good infrastructure of connections with ACJB, which is a Christian organization operating out of Quito, Ecuador, the capital. ACJB is the largest Christian broadcasting organization in South America and translates in over 50 languages and writes Bibles in over 100. Their mission focuses on hydroelectric power, but they operated the largest hospital in Quito and a ton of outreach programs. And I don't know if anybody knows where Quito is, but I'm sure that you have heard of the shoebox program, where at Christmas time, you can fill a shoebox full of things for Christmas. Helen and I know where those boxes go now. We have seen one of the places where they're handed out, and it makes a difference. Children that get something that one time of the year when they don't get anything else, and maybe it's just a toothbrush and some toothpaste and some color crayons and a piece of paper, but it's precious to them. I've seen that, and it's powerful. The HCJB people are all missionaries in the truest sense of the word. They come from all over the world to do God's work in a very primitive, dangerous, and unhealthy environment. Helen and I have been to South America several times with water for people. We've been in the jungles and slept in the huts. We've seen the snakes and the spiders and felt the humidity over 100 degrees. We've been served dinner on banana leaves and sang hymns with the natives. Traveling in the Andes Mountains is treacherous at best. The mountains and the mud dwellings are exactly what you see in the National Geographic, and I'm blessed to have seen it. We have been in villages where the mortality rates are above 85%, babies dying so fast they don't even mark their graves. They drank the contaminated water out of the ditches that were shared with cattle, pigs, and birds, and they bathed in that same water. The good news is when we would visit a year later after putting in a potable system, the mortality dropped to 2 to 5%, and that's because old habits are hard to break. We did make a difference. Just ordinary people 
with a God-given opportunity to do extraordinary things. For the first time, I saw how missionaries carry out their work, not dwelling on the good, the bad, or the ugly, but focused on the positive, a work ethic and a passion for God's work that rivals anything that I have ever seen and probably will ever see. It's awesome. It's impressive. And they do it every day. I had an opportunity to worship one Sunday with over 20 missionaries in a small open-air church on the mountainside overlooking Quito. The view was breathtaking. The church was made from cement block covered with whitewash with an open tile roof. Ten concrete benches in that church, five on each side, hard, cold, and uncomfortable. The church was made, and up front was a weathered wooden podium with an embossed cross on the front, roughly made by anybody's standard. Let me ask you this. Have you ever met those kind of people that when they walk into a room, they just command respect an aura of importance or authority? You just know that this is a person of substance. I'm not one of those, but that minister was. He walked slowly and decisively. He stepped up behind the small podium that looked even smaller when he was behind it, He just stood there for a moment, making me increasingly uncomfortable with expectation. And then he said in a booming voice, I notice that some of you are not doing your work. Some of you have passed up opportunities to do your work. You could hear a pin drop. And he continued, Yes, you are here to work on power plants, bridges, water systems, your broadcasters, electricians, mechanic drivers, cooks, and secretaries. That's what brought you here, but that's not why you're here. While doing your work, you need to do your work. Bringing the word of God to the people of Ecuador, to talk to them, to pray with them, to minister to them, and to help them be the person that God wants them to be. That preacher preached. And we all got the message. You are here to work, to use your skills and your talents and your gifts, but your main reason for being here is to minister the word of God to the people, to tell your story. I was glad he was not talking to me. But in a roundabout way, he was. He was tough, but in a loving and caring way. I love that message, and it has stayed with me all this time. I've made four trips to Ecuador, and each time I have more respect and admiration for missionaries. These are the kind of experiences that have an impact on you, and it changes your outlook. It changes your perspective on the world, your life, and especially your faith. That planted the seed for missionary work for me, but there was no opportunity for me yet. God continued to work on my heart and in my life. 
In 2004, my wife's mother had a stroke and spent considerable time in the hospital where they met another young lady whose husband was in for the same serious health concern. They connected immediately and became a huge support system for each other. That newly found friend was the pastor of this church, Jenny Heller. Just two miles from where we were building a house And we had been looking for a church, and we run into a pastor. Do you think that's a coincidence? I don't. I think that's a God thing. During the course of building that house, we lost five family members in 18 months. Helen's mother, an aunt and an uncle. I lost my daughter and a grandson. When you lose a family member, it's tragic. But there's something that stings a little deeper when you lose a grandchild. You not only have to bear the loss and to watch your child grieve, but you still have to grieve for the loss of the grandchild. That's really hard. And while that was going on, the house that I was building went into foreclosure because I could not complete it fast enough. I had exhausted all of my extensions. I remember standing in the muddy driveway covered in sweat, and I got a call from the bank. The loan officer chastising me for not working hard enough or fast enough. The person on the other end of that phone was unsympathetic to anything that I had to say. I was crushed, defeated, and overwhelmed with a sense of failure, not for me, but for my family. I just stood there for the longest time, and I was angry with God, wanting to know how hard do I have to work, what do I have to do to get this done? I can't do this anymore. I dropped to my knees and I'm crying. I'm asking God why this why is this happening to me? God did not say a word. He did not have to. It hit me. I thought I could build this house alone. I was consumed with this house. My attitude was selfish, boastful, arrogant, and a braggart. I thought about that for hours. And within days, things started to turn around. And so did my attitude. And so did the reasons for building that house. My house is now dedicated to the Lord and his work. And he saw me through that. It was rough. 
and it was hard. God challenges us with trials and tribulations to test our faith, but never more than we can bear. That experience strengthened my heart, my family, and for sure my faith. It doesn't lessen the pain, the loss, or the void in your life. But you're not alone. God is always with us, and this is his promise from the cross. Our family started attending church here in Bellevue and immediately felt welcomed and became members soon after. We were going, we were going to church, and the church was becoming a part of us. Our children were in youth group, and my wife joined social groups because that's just what she is. She's social. And I became involved in the trustees due to my construction experience and not to my brain power. A couple of years ago, my wife and I were asked if we would do some mission work in Kentucky, Redbird to be exact. And we jumped at the opportunity because we love a good adventure. Helen and I got all of our stuff together, the essentials, the CPAP machine, the first aid kit, meds, snacks, all the kinds of repellents, stuffed all the tools in the truck that we could possibly get in there, and we're going to tear this place up. We're going to build everything, make all kinds of stuff, show off our skills, and give all we can, leave it all there, so to speak. Oh, boy. Well, who do you think received the most at the end of that week? we receive far more than we could have ever left behind. God is alive and well at Redbird, believe it. But God was still shaping my life. Those mission experience, experiences made me think just how God has blessed me with skills that might benefit others, the community, and the church. So we came up with ChurchWorks, a program patterned off of Redbird, and God made it successful. My wife and I had heard about a free store in Columbus, Ohio, and we were inspired to create one here. And I believe that God saw that it was good and blessed it. I didn't make it successful. And the volunteers didn't make it successful. God made it successful through us, and we give him the praise and glory. I feel mission work is what God is calling me to do. True mission work speaks to our hearts and witnesses to others' hearts. I was finally baptized in 2013, and that was not the end of my faith journey, but just the beginning of a new chapter. My story really isn't so different than yours. It's just the characters, the places, the times, and the skill sets might be a little different. But not the good times, not the pain, the happiness, the loss, the disappointment, the challenges, the unexpected experiences, the many blessings we take for granted, the accomplishments, love, and children. I'm no one special, just one of God's children that he loves so much that he took me from out there 
and brought me home in here and blessed me with a spiritual gift. I'm no one special to be up here, but we are all special in the eyes of the Lord. Amen. Sometimes God moves us in ways we never planned on. And that's the adventure of faith, but they are just tests. They make you feel like you're on a treadmill or you're in a holding pattern, maybe stranded on the side of the road or even standing in your driveway. But it's at times like those that God is working the most to change your route, to turn you around, to get you back home, to bring you here. Every event, every person, good, bad, or indifferent on your route, shaped you, taught you, and opened your eyes to a deeper understanding of your life and your spiritual walk, whether you recognized it or not. God's purpose is to get us to trust him exclusively, to trust him with all of our heart and soul. It was God that chose your route here today. During your journey, God is looking at your heart much more than your actions. And believe this, God's grip on you is far greater than your grip on him. We just don't realize that. As I look back on my life, I can see the changes that occurred in me. It reminds me of the hymn, Just a Closer Walk with Thee. Because the closer we get to Christ, the more in step we become, knowing all the while that we will never accomplish a perfect cadence. So what's your story? The Bible tells us to witness our walk to others and to be of great courage. So what is your story? How did you get here today? You didn't need a road map, an atlas, a GPS, or even directions. God brought you here today. Because when you're here, you're in the kingdom, and you're never alone, and you're never lost. May the Lord keep you and bless you as you continue your walk, because you were meant to be here this morning. It wasn't by chance or coincidence. God ordained it. Praise God. Thank you. May God bless you.